Welcome in Braves Today, Braves Today podcast. He's Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. The Braves are the best team in baseball, and they're doing it with subpar pitching because they don't even have their best guys on the hill at this time. They have done it with the bats. They've done it with teamwork. They've done it with defense. They've done it with base running, which is very odd, seeing as how bad that's been in previous years. And now they've proved it by taking on the Phillies and taking two from them. Could have been, quote-unquote, a sweep. We'll see when that third game gets played on September 11th because of that series. And then they take two or three from what I considered to be the hottest team in baseball at the time in the Cincinnati Reds. That was a playoff-type atmosphere. Like, that feels like it's an early preview of potentially the NLCS. I mean, electric atmosphere, Atlanta goes in and does just about everything you have to do. Really weird first two games. I mean... Tons of runs, tons of home runs. Atlanta does everything right, it feels like. Still drops game one, uh, turns around, wins game two and game three. And game three, to me, was the big game to see Atlanta win. Not only because you win the series. Obviously, that's the big goal. But for me, it's because Atlanta didn't really have the home run in their pocket like they usually do. They hit one home run. Matt Olson had a three-run bomb. But other than that, it was stringing together singles. It was working walks. Uh, getting all these runs, all these other ways besides home runs, to me showed me that it's it's they understand the collective goal. Like these guys, I'm, Ronald wants a 40-40 year, but he understands his job is getting scoring position and score runs somehow. And I feel like this was the game where you really saw them embrace that and do that. Let's go back to game one of the series with Cincinnati. And I, I told you in, in the notes that we we talked about is – I felt like that wasn't necessarily as much of a loss as much as it was Atlanta ran out of innings. But then again, the same could have been said for Cincinnati because they just seemed to kept going. Now, it was one of those deals where it was a little upsetting, putting five on the board to start with and then letting them come back. But still, Mm -hmm. you're on the road. The fact that you still take two or three on the road says a lot against the hottest team in baseball. But I seriously think game one was one of those that that was a ball game that I think all of us could have sat and watched for 25 innings if the league would have let us do it. Yeah, like, you don't need a Manfred man there. We just kept on going. And I remember after that game actually tweeting, like, I'm not even mad. That was a great game. Yeah, uh, but Atlanta really figured out later in the game what to start doing differently to keep Cincinnati off mm-hmm. the board. Cincinnati scores, I want to say they scored in the first, all their runs in the first five innings. Mm-hmm. And after that, Kirby Yates and Joe Jimenez combined to hold them to one hit, one walk, three strikeouts over the last two and two-thirds innings. And so if that game had kept on going, I think Atlanta would have ended up winning that game simply because it looks like they kind of finally figured out how you have to pitch differently in that park where a pop fly can be a home run to left. And uh, But either way, fantastic matchup. You saw them make a little bit of adjustment on Saturday for game two and then definitely did for game three. No right. No freed. I say subpar pitching. These guys are still holding their own, and I say that with Charlie Morton having uh, a, a laborer's due as he he did well in the final game of the series, and then I can't discount Schuster as he kept him in there. It seemed like he changed his way of pitching somehow or another. Uh, he he stayed. He, he kept the ball low. He didn't get it up, and it ended up paying dividends for him. Yeah, it was it was different from what you normally see from Jared Schuster because his. I mean. Uh, but it was exactly what we talked about, making that adjustment. He understood mm-hmm. it's another thing where the team stats are not as important or are more important than my stats. He understood 
keep the ball down, let them hit it on the ground versus elevating the fastball for a strikeout versus catching them with a slider up and away, letting them chase, keep the ball down. Charlie Morton on Sunday, you mentioned him. I was really impressed. He had 10 runners on base in his five yes. innings, but I think he only gave up either one or two extra base hits, two extra base hits, both doubles, no home runs allowed by Charlie Morton and seven strikeouts. So he's pitching from the stretch most of the time. He walked three guys, so lots of traffic, but he never really lit that hurt him. And it kind of shows why people who have been not happy with Charlie Morton need to like calm down. He's a veteran. He understands what he does. He can execute it well and adjust to the opponent. Olsen to me is doing exactly what I wanted him to do. He still will strike out every now and then when he's not supposed to, but mm -hmm. you mentioned a pop fly in that venue in Cincinnati. That's exactly what took place as uh, he went opposite field. When he hit it up in the air, he didn't even, realize that he he was kind of wondering one if it was going to be fouled number two if it had the distance it ended up land it lands i don't know eight nine ten rows deep so it wasn't even something that was close and uh not to mention you got olsen raking you got ronnie raking and stealing and you got ozzy now that has come out of his shell and he seems to hit a random bomb every now and then he's getting base hits that are sliding through the right side and so it seems like everybody's kind of clicking on all cylinders offensively to kind of quantify how everybody's clicking at the same time, going into that Sunday <clears throat> game, over the last 30 days, the Atlanta Braves were hitting 298 as a team. Like the slash line was 298, 357, 530. They hit 55 home runs in the previous 30 days. I think half of those were against Colorado. Uh, 162 runs. It was like 26 games. So they were averaging over six runs a game. And we talked about this season, Ronald Acuna Jr. had been the only real consistent offensive producer all the way through the season. Everybody had slumps up and down. But when, like right now, you can see everybody is hitting and you can see what this offense can do and all, how almost unstoppable the Braves are when everybody is hitting on all cylinders. You saw that this weekend. Cincinnati, uh, you know, all six games you played against them have been one-run games. Atlanta's won five of them. And Atlanta comes just a couple inches away from a ball Cup, uh, passing, like going over the fence to take that game one and mm -hmm. a sweep on the weekend. Lindsay, are Atlanta and Cincinnati the two best teams in baseball right now? So it, it feels like Tampa Bay has a case, American League, different league, obviously. Mm -hmm. It feels like Arizona still has a case, 47 and 32, uh, beating the Dodgers in the division. But Cincinnati and Atlanta, like, I'd say Atlanta's the best team in baseball right now. I'd say mm -hmm. Cincinnati's probably top three, top four. And at this exact moment, these feel like the two hottest and two best teams in, in baseball. Yes. Uh, if I had to just make projections and assumptions, looking at this division, it absolutely looks like Cincinnati has a chance to run away with it, provided their pitching stays healthy. They lost one of their starters over the weekend uh, to the IL for, I think, like an oblique injury during a warmup. And so if their pitching is healthy, Cincinnati feels like they can hang around, and this may have ended up being a preview of the NLCS. I will say this. We've done nothing but sing Atlanta's praises, especially over the last couple of series. However, the one thing that makes me feel uneasy is that bullpen. Does Alex Anthopoulos need to go out and either find a closer, find a couple of setup guys? Keep in mind, after the All-Star break, break, Freed and Ryder coming back, does somebody make the jump? Morton has been one that says, I'll pitch wherever. I don't care. 
So he is one that has said he's he's even volunteered to go to the bullpen if need be. Uh, but that's what a grizzly veteran does. Is right. we saw it with Smoltz back in his day. Morton's already followed on that sword and said, "I know the young guys want to start. Cool with that. I'll jump out in the pen if need be." But he's throwing so well right now. I don't know if we want him to do that. So does Double A make a move? I feel like Atlanta probably does a couple things. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident you go out and get at least one reliever, if not two, simply to give yourself more options and to kind of. Uh, it's not overusing some of these guys. I do think Jesse Chavez coming back from injury will be big yes. from mm-hmm. what we understand. He's uh, recovering just fine from, uh, from the injury should be one of the shorter stays on the IL. And then I think when you get everybody back, assuming you do get both Brighton uh, freed and right back, the, the common, the kind of thing to me, that makes sense is a guy like an AJ Smith Shaver, somebody who's mm-hmm. not necessarily established as a starter yet. Keep the veteran Morton, uh, keep, keep him in the rotation. He obviously knows how to work through a lineup multiple times, but a young guy like A.J. smith Shaver, that's the big challenge for him. Let him go in the bullpen. Let him come out and eat two or three innings, go through the lineup once, save the... Instead of having to go through two or three different relievers to get through two or three innings, let A.J. smith Shaver go out there and eat a couple innings and just have him be down for a couple days. So it feels like there's going to be a combination of a lot of things that Lane's going to do to kind of bolster that bullpen between now and the end of the season. We look at the before we look at the twins here momentarily, which we'll talk about them because they are leading the AL Central. However, we'll mention their record here in a little bit. That number is a little skewed, in my opinion. Uh, but I will talk about the the rest of the teams that Atlanta faces before the All Star break. Everybody, if I'm not mistaken, looking at some numbers from earlier, they all have winning percentages. So it's not like they're going to be getting some cakewalks between now and uh, the the Midsummer Classic. Yeah, you have the twins who we're getting to. You have the Marlins, who are right behind you in the division, surprisingly still behind you in the division. You have the Guardians, who have always been dangerous uh, and are right <clears> there, <throat> also in contention for the Central. And then you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who still have the best record in baseball, right there ahead of Atlanta, although I do think Atlanta's better than them. Uh, yep. I will point out that this can change. Going into June, we were talking about 16 straight against teams with losing records. And between when June started and when we got there, both the Phillies and the Reds went into winning records and the Reds became apparently a, a, a unit. And yeah. so, so things can change. The guardians can take a, a, a downturn and, and get rough. The Rays could lose another couple start uh, starters to injury. And this could be a different scenario in two weeks, but as of now, it looks like this is one of your tougher stretches of the season. And so Atlanta, I'm glad they're firing all cylinders right now. The twins, that's who Atlanta takes on next. They lost the series to Detroit. They lost the series to Boston. How, well, they, they split the series with Boston. And then they won the series with Detroit. So what team does Atlanta see? Because they are the leaders in the AL Central. They are in first place, but they're only at 40 and 39. So they're only a game over 500. So it's not like we're facing the Reds or the Tampa Bay Rays, but you are facing a number one team in their division. The thing that I look at is they're 5-5 they're five and five in their last 10 games. Their run differential is kind of close to, to even. It's like plus 34. They've scored like 340 runs against 306. The story of what Minnesota likes to do, uh, they strike out a ton. They lead baseball in strikeouts. So this is a team that is susceptible to uh, pitchers who can execute really well. Spencer Strider would have an absolute field day against these guys. Uh, you know, it's it's also a team that likes to swing for power, hit for the fences. I'm glad you're having this series at home where it's not yeah. always as easy for some of these guys to get out. And then they're a team that 
right now is playing defense not as well as they could. They've got some guys who are working through some stuff. Byron Buxton's still a DH. And so they they're 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 dangerous, but they're vo- like but they're gettable. You can beat them. And I think Atlanta is the better team and should probably win two out of these three. I think the confidence builds between the uh, series win at Philly. That's what we're going to call it now. We can't call it a sweep yet. And then the series win at Cincinnati. So both of those on the road, that success continues. You say two out of three. I am calling the sweep against the meaningless interleague play that I absolutely – I used to love it. I said I loved it when we faced maybe two teams prior to the All-Star break and two teams after the All-Star break. Now that we're playing them once a week, we're playing an American League team. I'm kind of over it by now. Uh, but I'm going to call a sweep against the, the Minnesota Twins. because It's that 40-39 and 39 record that sticks out in my mind. I mean, it feels like we're playing, uh, you know, uh, uh, NL Central third-place team is what it feels like Atlanta's going to be playing. I think they're just playing with a lot of confidence right now and even more confidence as they come back home. Watch the weather. Could have some rainouts, storms expected for as far as this week is concerned, and hot temperatures. Yeah. Good news is Atlanta has an off day on Thursday, so if they have to move, say, uh, Wednesday's game to an evening game instead of a daytime, they can do that. Uh, it's it's something where this this Twins team isn't as good as the first-place label makes them sound. Uh, they are vulnerable. The thing that I like about the, the series, like the road trip Atlanta just had, is you won games in a bunch of different ways. You won high-scoring affairs. You scored seven against the Reds in consecutive days. The loss was a 10-run game. You had low-scoring games. You beat Philadelphia 4-2. to two. You're going to face some pretty good pitching from Minnesota. It feels like everybody tries to stack up their rotation to take a shot at the Kings, but you come at the Kings, you better not miss. Uh, so it's Spencer Strider versus Sonny Gray on Monday. Going to be a fantastic matchup. Sonny Gray's sporting like a 2-6 ERA on the yep. year. Tuesday, Bryce Elder versus Joe Ryan. Both these guys have ERAs under three. And then Wednesday, A.J. Smith-Shaver, the youngster, versus Kenta Maeda. Uh, Maeda's been in and out of injury. He's looked dominant at times. He's looked entirely destroyable at times. So mm. question about what kind of guy you're going to get, but definitely some good matchups. And again, another team that has seemed to like set everything up to bring their best at Atlanta. He says two for three. I say series sweep at home in Atlanta, and we will have a full recap of it as well as a preview of the rest of the series as we head into the All-Star break shortly. He's Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. Braves today, hit that subscribe button down there at the bottom if you're watching on YouTube, and go to Braves underscore today on the Twitter. Lindsey, as always, thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Chop on.